We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for all the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. get there in a minute let's just bow our heads in prayer father we just want to thank you that we can come just to worship we pray that as we just continue in that worship now that you will just indeed encourage us build us up but above all that you will challenge us to be better children for you for we ask it in Jesus name amen now I've got a, it was really lovely to be asked to preach on this particular subject uh, because I really love the idea of prayer. Uh, two books which I want to suggest that you might like to go down to illuminate and buy. One is by Oswald Chambers, which is, it's just simply titled, If You Will Ask. And it's Reflections on the Power of Prayer. And it's got a superb chapter in there on praying in the power of the Spirit. You may, if you read it, you may notice that I've mixed some of the thoughts there. Then the other one is this one, knowing the Holy Spirit through the, the Old Testament. And that is such a powerful book because it shows you the waves of the power of God and in the Holy Spirit as he's come through the Old Testament and how he used the Old Testament saints. I'm going to tell one or two stories. First of all, the, the story of the Sousa Street Christians. This is the birthplace of Pentecostalism. And a lot of people think that if you pray in the Spirit, you've got to have glossiaria, you've got to speak in tongues, you've got to, and there's all sorts of things that happen. Well, these people were so convicted of their sin and convicted of their love of God that suddenly their faces shone so brightly that they couldn't, they daren't look at one another. And boy, you know, so they thought, what do we do? So what they did, they got some orange boxes and put them on their head so that no one could see them. And for a while that worked. And the next week they came to worship God and the first thing they did was to pick up the orange box and put it back on their head. And nothing happened. One of the things which, you know, that teaches me is that when something really powerful happens within a congregation, within a church, if you try and repeat it the next week or the following day, it never comes off, because that is a moment thing under the power of God. 
Another story I want to tell is the story of three boys praying. When I was a, you know, just an ordinary lay member of the congregation, um, this is down in Kent, a, three young lads were converted one weekend. And the curate came up to me and he just said, what can, you, um, what can we do? I said, I tell you what, I'll teach them to pray. That was a big mistake to start off with because I didn't really know how to pray myself. I managed to get hold of a book by um, something called by someone called O'Hallersby, which just called, called Prayer. And I went through the book and went through the whole process of praying with these three lads. And they started to, to pray, to learn how to pray publicly. And they were simple prayers. And Jenny tells me that the, the best prayer she ever she heard at that particular time was one lad who turned around and said, God, save my brother Bob. Simple. But it was powerful because his brother was saved. And I, you know, I think it's important that we realize the power of that, that sort of prayer. The Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool, this is another experience that we had. See Sarah smiling over there because she knows the person I'm going to talk about, Brian Mills. And uh, we were up on the platform in, in, in the Philharmonic at a, a prayer meeting at which Graham Kendrick was leading the worship. And it was, you know, a, it was just an ordinary meeting, or so it seemed. Then suddenly, we watched from the platform God, in his spirit, go across the whole of the congregation, or the audience, or what you like to call them, in waves. And as they, as it, they did, so you saw people being convicted, being encouraged, and people were bursting into tears because they knew that God was upon them. And it was an, an incredible experience to go through. And Brian Mills, who was on the platform with us, was um, we were just chatting away in the time of prayer. And we felt it right to ask God that there would be people who'd be arrested for drug dealing in Liverpool. And that night, it was one of the largest drug raids that had ever taken place. And we, you know, afterwards, when, we, when Brian and I were talking about it, we suddenly realized that this was God laying something on our heart which we had no, no intention of praying for and seeing him at work. And that was the powerful thing, seeing God at work. Young people pray. These young people, um, they were in Carlisle. And we were going away for a weekend house party at St. John in the Vale. And uh, the youngsters got together and they decided they were going to pray for their friends who were coming on that house party. And this was the result. Twenty-five young people gave their life to the Lord at that weekend. It was just wonderful just to see God at work in people's lives. Now I'm going to use a quote from the Pope about praying in the Spirit. This is important. He's got something really wonderful here. First of all, if we're praying in the Spirit, we are enabled to abandon, overcome every form of fear or slavery, experience the true freedom of the children of God. Let me just ask, throw something in. Do you know the true freedom of the children of God? You know, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, you know, God has given you a spirit of freedom, not of bondage. 
Do you know that freedom? Experience the true freedom of the children of God. He then goes on to say, the second consequence is that our relationship with God becomes so deep that it is not impacted by any reality or situation. In other words, if our relationship with our Father is such that we're praying to him daily and we're praying in the Spirit, that things can happen in our lives which are dreadful. The disaster that takes place, the family breakdown that takes place, the death that takes place, the illness that takes place. And somehow, because of the power of God within us as we pray, these things are not minimalized, but we're able to cope with them because of what God is doing in our lives. And the third and final outcome of reliance on the Holy Spirit is that, we, that the prayer of the believer is also open to the dimensions of humanity and of all creation. That, to me, is one of the powers of prayer. You and I today can stand here or sit here and we can be praying for people in Korea. We can be praying for people in Papua New Guinea, in Hong Kong, wherever. We can just be taking it to God and asking him from here to bless those people there. That is the power of prayer. And we know because we can learn about the dimensions of humanity. You know, those of us, you know, Ivan is very fond of uh, helping us to understand the open doors and the suffering of Christians all over the world. If we're praying in the Spirit, we will be able to know the dimensions. In the Old Testament, this came across. And God said, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. In other words, we are the, the, the successors to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So therefore, God has poured upon us the spirit of grace and supplication. It means that we can pray in the spirit if we're free enough to. But Romans 8.26 tells us we don't know how to pray. Then it goes on to say that God will make intercession for us by the spirit. But prayer is not an exercise. It's a way of life. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are released from our petitions. A number of times that I've had a, well, my, my prayer lists are quite enormous, I'll be honest with you, because they come contacts from all over the world and all over the, uh, you know, places I've been and places I've worked in. And I've got lists and, and you know, I can go through them and I can tick them off and say, I'm praying for this, praying for that, praying for that. Then suddenly God will just come in and say, I want you to pray for that situation. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to pray in that way. When we pray in the Spirit, we are released from our petitions. We don't have lists. We pray as God gives us the words. And this is the elementary part of prayer. And everyone can do it. You know what? This is the thing. I love it, I really do. Everyone can do it. We can all do it. And yet somehow we're frightened to pray. I was, you know, but one of the things I said earlier, um, I may be saying it again, I'm not sure, um, is that often we go to a prayer meeting and we hear these great prayers pray and we think, oh, I can never, ever, ever pray like that. These three youngsters that I was telling you about earlier, they started off by writing their prayers down on a piece of paper. And they were simple prayers. 
but it meant they all prayed. The, the group of youngsters in Carlisle, they wrote down prayers and they were simple prayers. They weren't great extensive prayers, they were simple. They were more or less, Lord, help me, I'm helpless, I can't do anything. Will you do it, please? And so often we can be put off in a prayer meeting when people are trying to beat up God. <laughs> One prayer meeting I went to, I can remember this so well, um, one of the men there suddenly felt really enthused by the spirit or human emotion, I don't know which, I'll be honest with you, but he started literally to beat up God. He was walking around the room and gesticulating and all sorts of things. And someone just prayed, Lord help us. Then there's the sense of need that we need. And this is what the Spirit gives us at times. Have you ever felt totally helpless? Totally helpless. Not able to do anything for yourself. It's amazing. That's the moment that God speaks to us more powerfully than any time else. Because when we have that sense of need, you suddenly realize that we have to ask God. And God comes in and enables us, not only in our praying, but in the way in which he answers our prayers. A sense of need is a blessing because it keeps us rightly related to Jesus. Then often there's a sense of restraint. Have you ever been trying to pray about a particular situation and suddenly you find yourself totally blank? You can't say a word, you can't pray. That's the Spirit of God stopping you from praying because it's not what he wants at this moment of time. It goes on to say that um, in Psalm 106 he gave them the request but sent leanness into their heart. They'd been praying for the wrong things. And in John 15 verse 7 says we shall ask what he wants us to ask. We shall ask what he wants us to ask. And that's the key for praying in the Spirit. Then also we have to have a sense of Christ's work. You know, we sung those lovely songs, and thank you, John, for those cho the choice you made, because they fit in so well with what we're doing. Crucified, laid in the tomb. What did he do? We are heard only on the ground of the atonement. I put a verse in there. The only ground of our approach to God is by the blood of Jesus. We can come no other way. We have no right to walk into God's presence except through Jesus. Then we have to understand the depth of God's resources. Being reckless in our confidence in God. Do you know, we've got as our father, a king, a king, and all his resources, and often we come to him and we can't even be bothered to say anything to him, we can't ask for anything, because we're frightened to, we're not willing to be reckless, to, be, to step out in, in faith, 
to step out and say, Lord, is this what you want? Hudson Taylor, the founder, we, we heard about him a couple of weeks ago, um, founder of the China England Mission. I can't remember what he, and, and he would never ever ask anything for any, from anybody. But he would take it to God and say, Lord, we need this, we need that, we need the other. Because this is for your work. And they'd be supplied. And George Muller, I'm sure we've all heard the story of George Muller. Um, you know, he was, he was in the orphanage. He was praying for bread for, the, for breakfast for the kids. What happens? A bread van breaks down outside. And all the loaves are taken into the, the orphanage. That was just, you know, that's one story. There are hundreds of stories like that where men... I had a friend many years ago who... <laughs> no, this is, this is a tough one. It really is. He had a daughter who wanted a red tricycle. He had no money. So he prayed for, his red, for the daughter to have a red tricycle. And someone turned up with a red tricycle for him. You know, it's, it's simple little things. How God provides. You know, there's a, a lovely hymn. I can never remember the, where, where, where it comes from, but I know there's this line in it. You are coming to a king. Large petitions with you bring. Don't be frightened. What else have we got here? Uh, but we have to have a more intimate conception of God. A bit more about that in a minute. As we pray in the Spirit, we begin to realize the resources of God. We begin to realize how much He has and how much He wants us to have. Then, if we're praying in the Spirit, it changes the atmosphere about us. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And so often we mistake, you know, we want to pick a fight with someone. I was talking with someone a couple the other night, and we were talking about a particular situation I was going into. And I said, do you know what? I want to punch him on the nose. Well, I did, humanly. But you suddenly have to realize it's not flesh and blood that we're fighting, but it's principalities and powers. Once we started to pray in that direction, that person, in a sense, dissipated. And he changes the atmosphere around us. Many of you were here when uh, Steve was talking to us about our time in Ibiza. And I think we told the story of John um, and uh, how Jenny had been playing pool. Great game pool, it really is. Leads people to the Lord. Um, and what happened was that we would be, we'd be laughing and joking with all the holiday makers there. And then we went down, sat down and had a cup of coffee and John came across and talked to us. And he said, you know, when you walked into that place, God came in. Now, it was just David and Jenny, as far as we knew. We were just being us. And yet, somehow, he sensed God was there. And he wanted to know more. Because his experiences of church were absolutely unawful. They were quite awful. And we were able to talk to him about God, talk to him about church, talk to him about Jesus. We were able to give him a little booklet, Steps to Peace with God. All because we were playing pool and they felt, he felt that God had walked in with us. Just a suggestion. You can never 
You can pray in the Spirit, oddly. But one of the things that I learned a long time ago, that if you pray on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and make it a habit. Do you know, someone said it takes about four, 27 days to make a habit. Or to, you know, I think I can't remember this, some statistic somewhere. So if we're praying, praying without ceasing, praying in the Spirit on all occasions, being a child in absolute dependence on your father. The only one who prays in the Holy Spirit is the child, the childlike spirit within us. You know, Jesus said, unless you become as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Having absolute confidence in God. You know, the thing is, that have, I love the illustration of a child because it means you can see the dependence of a child upon its parents. How the child's hand goes up and holds on tight so that he can have strength from God, from, from, his, from his father or his mother. So too must we put up our hand to put our hand into God's and still be, and become that child, having confidence in him that he's going to take us the right way. And he brings things naturally to our minds. As I said earlier, you can have these great big lists, but suddenly something comes flying into our mind, and that we know we've got to pray for. I want to tell the story of Nehemiah, just for a moment, because I, I do get very, uh, what's the word, perturbed when Nehemiah is quoted. Let me read this to you, because I think it's very important. In the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, when I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord of heaven. Now that is Nehemiah's prayer. And it was not prayed in an instant. It was prayed over a period of time as he fasted and mourned and prayed. But the prayer that we always quote is this one. I was very much afraid because he went into the king, he was the wine bearer. I said to him, may the king live forever. But my face... Uh, why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? And I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, then let him send me to the city in, uh, in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah spent time with God. He spent time with him. So the result of that spending time with him was that when the king asked him a question, he was able to say, Lord, what is it? I'm speaking out. It's a lesson for us all to learn. That, you know, arrow prayers are great. They really are. But let's get down to the real business of prayer, which is on our knees, asking God to help. Nehemiah was a broken man, and he prayed in the power of the Spirit. Nehemiah knew his God. How? He read it in the book 
He read it in the scriptures. He knew his father. And we cannot pray in the power of the Holy Spirit unless we really know our father. And we only know him by being a serious student of the word of God. Today, we have so much help to read the Bible. The problem is, and I found this over the years, that we get these books like UCB and uh, today, whatever it is, and um, we, what we do, we just, yeah, we do, we read the commentary, not the scriptures. And so, for, therefore, we're, we're getting a second-hand view of God. We're getting a second-hand view of God. I put that, the armor of God, it's a good way of learning how to pray in the power of the Spirit. But if we rely on the experience of others, then we don't get any real relationship with God. It's no good me saying, this is my relationship with God. You should follow me and do this. That is a waste of time. Because you must learn the scriptures yourself. You must spend time digging into them. And that doesn't come by just sort of an odd five minutes here. It comes by spending time looking at the scriptures. I've got two handouts at the back that are all on the same sheet of paper. One is, it's got seven minutes for God and the praying hand. You've got seven minutes for God? Do you know, there's a, a, a statistic which comes out of America which says the average layman spends four minutes a day with God, the average pastor spends seven minutes. So if you can get seven minutes, it means you're a pastor. No, seriously. We've got to learn to spend time with God. I can be prescriptive about it, but I ain't going to be. All I'm going to say is ask God to show you how you can pray in the power of the Spirit by spending time with Him. Learning of what His, learning His character. Learning about what Jesus has done. The power that's there. The way the Spirit has been sent. And now have you got seven minutes for God? So, Almost the end. Almost the end. I don't think you're going to like this. Okay? How do you measure your spiritual life? In other words, how can you spend time praying in the Spirit? First, it's not how many meetings you go to. It's not how many gifts you have. You speak in tongues, I've got the gift of healing, I've got the gift of preaching, I've got the gift of hospitality. But how many gifts you've got? It's certainly, this is pointing the finger at me, how many sermons you preach. It's certainly not how many records I've made, because I haven't made any. But tell me, what time do you spend alone with God? That will tell me how spiritual you are. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you know our inward desire is just to please you 
and be your children. Father, help us, we pray, by the power of your Spirit, just to help us now, to be your children, and that we will rely upon you for everything. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.